You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us Sundays at 10 a.m. in person or online, or Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. In this podcast, we're going through the books 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John with Linda Sims. All right, we're in week seven. We have one more week. Tonight we're doing 2nd John. Next week it'll be 3rd John. And then that'll be the end of this summer's study in our in the three books of John by Dr. Evans. Name of our lesson is up there. And there's about Dr. Evans. Here's our opening question. Have you ever believed something to be true that you later found out wasn't actually true? Maybe it was an old wives' tale or a factoid that turned out to be false. Can anyone think of anything? Well, I had to think, but I didn't have to think back too far because Remember this slide back probably, I think, session three? Um, there are probably other times, but this is the one that came to my mind. This is the most recent one. We'd, this slide was in First John, and uh, we were asked by Dr. Evans uh, to think of some obstacles that might stand in the way of us loving our fellow believers. And, and so when I was meditating on that, I came up with the ones that are in red up there. Lack of time, lack of resources, not sure I'm supposed to, fearful, shy, wrote them down, and the Lord immediately said to me, those are lies, Linda. <laughs> and so I said, okay, if they're lies, let's look in, in the Word, and the Word confirmed that those really are not obstacles at all to us loving other believers. So in this session, we're going to look at the tiny book of John, and in it, the writer wants us to be concerned with one very important thing, and that's the truth. So let's open to Second John and begin reading. It's a short book. The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, for the sake of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. Now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. Verse seven. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God, the one who abides in the teaching. He has both the Father and the Son. Verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Though I have many things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face so that your joy may be made full. The children of your children, chosen sister greet you. Now let's watch our video. 
Today, truth is in trouble. What would you say to an unsure pilot who said, I think this is the button that I should push? You probably want another pilot on another plane. What would you say to an unsure doctor who said, I think this is the place I ought to cut? You'd be looking for another physician. What would you say to an unsure pharmacist who says, well, I guess this is the medicine that they want you to take? Or you'd be looking for a new pharmacist in a new pharmacy. Because when it comes to your well-being, you really don't want guesswork. You want the security that the person is clear on what they're doing. In fact, what you want is truth. Unfortunately, we live in a day when truth has been kicked to the curb. It no longer carries the meaning that the Bible ascribes to it. That's why the Apostle John wrote a postcard. It's a postcard because it's a really short book. It's the book of 2 John. It's a quick trip down the trail of truth. In the first four verses, he speaks of truth five times. He says, I'm writing to all who know the truth, who love the truth. I'm writing for the sake of the truth. I want you to be in the truth. I want you walking in truth. So you get right from the beginning, his concern is about truth. So let's answer the question first and foremost, what in the world is truth? Truth is an absolute standard by which reality is measured. Or to put it in plain English, truth is anything God says on any subject because he's ultimate reality and he is truth. And so that's just how he rolls. He can only communicate what is true, what is reliable in its original state. People today often confuse truth with facts. Now facts make up truth, but facts are not the same as truth because truth deals with original source. For example, if I say I have a headache, that's a fact. I get this over-the-counter medicine, I take it and take it and take it, and my fact is not resolved by the medication that I take. So then I make an appointment with the doctor. The doctor does a brain scan only to discover I have a tumor. I had a fact, my head was hurting, that's a fact. But that fact didn't tell me the truth because it didn't tell me why my head was hurting. It didn't tell me I had a tumor because if I knew that, I'd have gone to the doctor sooner and gotten a whole different level of treatment. You see, you don't just want facts. Everybody's got facts. You can be educated with facts. But the reason why lives are falling apart is we no longer have the truth. In fact, today, we live in a postmodern age. We live in a post-Christian culture. In fact, what people live on today is not the truth, it's what they believe to be true. That's why you hear people talking about, I know my truth, because my truth is my truth and your truth is your truth. It's whatever you believe to be true. You believe it long enough and strong enough, you treat it like it's the truth. But how can you determine truth by how you feel when feelings change. 
How can you determine truth by your ethical standards when ethics can be so corruptible and they change so often? No, you need a standard of truth. Take one and one. Last time I checked, one and one is two. No matter where you live, no longer, no matter what their mathematical orientation is, one and one is two and everything else is predicated on it because it's the truth mathematically. God is truth. He is the standard by which the calculus and algebra and trigonometry of life is to be understood and measured. And so in this postcard from John, he wants believers to know the truth. He says, I'm writing to the chosen lady and her children. He calls the church a lady because the church is the bride of Christ. And of course, the children are the members of this assembly and he can put it that way because in the New Testament days, Christian met in houses. They didn't have big mega churches and a lot of church buildings like we have today. They were house churches. And so to the lady and her children, to the house church that was meeting, he says, you hang on to the truth. And he tells them the reason why. He says, the reason why is because many deceivers have gone out into the world. They have come and denied that Jesus has come in the flesh. Watch yourselves, protect yourselves. Don't be duped by the deceivers. Many people come in the name of the truth. They come with human designed authority to draw people away from the living God and the incarnate Jesus Christ. In fact, he goes so far as to say, if they come to you, do not even receive them into your house. In other words, don't give them an audience in the church. If they don't, if they're not clear on Christ, if they're not absolutely straight on who God is and what the truth is as recorded in the scripture, they don't get a hearing because they'll lead believers astray. We live in a world today where people are being led astray. They're being led astray by isms, theologies that deny the very authority of scripture and the very nature of God. But when he says, I want you to stick with the truth and tenaciously hold on to it, he says, I want you to do it with the spirit of love. Because he says, now I ask you lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. So on one end, you've got the commandments that we're to obey and the love that we are to express. Football has to go between the two prongs. On one side of the goalpost of our relationship with God is what he expects and what he commands. On the other side is what we express to others based on those commandments. And when we're obeying the commandment and sticking with the truth and expressing the truth in love, when we're having compassion without compromise, then what we are about is biblical ministry. The Word of God is authoritative. The Word of God is true from the first verse in Genesis to the last verse in Revelation. It is authoritative because its author can only speak truth. So let me ask you a question. Where do you go first 
when you need questions answered? What do you appeal to first when you need direction for your life? Is it the truth or is it a bunch of facts that you learn through the media, with friends, with advisors, with counselors, who do not start with the truth? Do you know you can save a lot of time, energy, yes, and money if you start with where God starts because he can go beyond the facts and he can deliver to you the truth. He writes this postcard, John does, and he says, though I have many things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face so your joy may be made full. The reason why there's ministry is because ministry is to happen in relationship. He says, I'm teaching you the truth, but I want to come and be with you. Because the truth is best received when you know people care about you who are giving it to you. All of us have had people in our face who uh, didn't know whether they cared about you, but they were swearing, they were telling you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, even if you didn't think you could handle the truth. Well, in God's economy, he wants you to experience the truth. And you know what happens when you do? The same author says in John 8, when you know the truth, the truth can set you free. It can release you from bondage. It can release you from addictions. It can release you from question marks and confusion and lack of direction. Because this postcard from John says that God's word is truth. There's a Prego commercial from some time past where a lady was buying the sauce. And so she asked the proprietor a question. Well, do I need to get some tomatoes? The proprietor said, oh no, it's already in there. Well, do I need to get some garlic? Uh, absolutely not, because it's already in there. Do I need to get some sausage to go with it? Oh, oh no, it's already in there. What about some oregano? Oh, it's already in there. Everything you need for this sauce to be all you need it to be, the proprietor said, it's already in there. But when I heard that commercial, it reminded me of this book and its author. If your life is confused, guess what? It's already in there. If you need to know how to save your marriage, guess what? It's already in there. If you need direction for your life, oh yeah, it's already in there. If you need to know how to manage your finances properly, it's already in there. You don't have to go to illegitimate sources when it's already been mixed in. The author has made sure that when you get the sauce of his word, what you're looking for is already in there. Why? Because the author of this book is truth, so he can only write truth, and it is the job for you to receive the truth so that that truth can set you free. Good, wasn't it? Truth matters. How many agree? It's truth matters, it does. But we live in a world where truth is no longer rock solid, is it? In fact, Dr. Evans said it's become smoke-blowing wherever anyone wants it to, stinging the eyes of everyone else. In the middle of the chaos of our culture, John's words in his second letter are invaluable. So according to Dr. Evans, why is truth so crucial to our lives? 
Do you remember the examples, like with the pilot and the, the pharmacist and the doctor? We live on the truth, that's right, not on the facts, but we're not gonna trust someone with our health or lives who don't know the truth, are we? Or not? Our pastor preaches the truth, and we trust him, don't we? And we trust God's word. How did Tony define truth at the beginning of this session? Do you remember? Anything that God says, that's a good, I like that definition. Here's what he said. It's an absolute standard by which reality is measured. That sounds like a pretty, pretty book, straight from the book. But anything God says, I like that. Okay. Um, do you see this definition of truth in our world or culture today? And bring it back up. There it is. An absolute standard by which reality is measured. Do we see that in our world or culture today? Why or why not? I agree, no, why not? That's right. Have you, have you talked to people who said, oh, I believe that and it's true because I believe it? I've talked to people that have said that. We live in a day that truth's been so eroded we don't even recognize it when it's spoken. I've pulled up this scripture too. It's in Isaiah. I, I see this everywhere I look today. We call, there are people calling evil good and good evil. And Isaiah told us that back in Isaiah, that we, he said, woe to those who do that. But we're seeing that today. Uh, why do you think Tony's description of truth is so disliked these days? She said, our cult, she thinks it's because our culture goes by feeling. Forces accountability, that's true, it does. Um, here's what Tony said, in our day and age, few people like objective standards for reality. It means we'd have to submit to someone or something outside ourselves. We'd have to live in light of something we don't control or be, be declared disobedient. And that uh, doesn't mean our world dislikes facts, but as Tony said, facts and truth are different things. So let's look at this next one. Tony highlighted the problem with relying on facts versus truth to direct our affections and love. And I will give you an example from um, when I was a principal in a school. An example would be two children are at odds. They're actually angry with each other. One of them has shoved the other ch child. And it's, it's a fact that the child was shoved. But when I start delving into what happened, the first child tripped. It was an accident. <laughs> he fell into the child. And so, um, and, and the first child who tripped did ask for the child to forgive him. And so when there was, it was a fact that the student was shoved, but the truth was, it wasn't on purpose. It was accidental. And so when they humbled, he asked for forgiveness and he found out what really happened, then the truth was revealed and the relationship was restored. Fact, students shoved. Truth, it was not on purpose. So let's look here. How did Tony outline the difference between truth and facts? Tumor, he talked about the tumor, didn't he? He said he had a headache, that was a fact, but the truth was there was a tumor. Facts are statements about reality. Truth determines the why and the so what behind the facts. 
Okay, let's look at these verses again. The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, for the sake of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. What is the source of the love that John and all of us have for God's people? the elect lady and her children. What's the source of the love? We've danced all around it, but God is love. God, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and who's seen, he who's seen me has seen the Father. So it's truth. And love comes out of that truth. Why would truth promote love? Because God is love, yes. Um, exactly, and here's the verse. This came from 1 John. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Not only is it from God, that's who he is love. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I used to sing a song. Anyone remember that? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Anyone remember that song? Scripture. Okay, we had this back in... I think session six, the word, um, we were looking at the word know, a cerebral kind of knowledge, the know that you just know it here. And then there's the know, that's a knowledge that comes by, from personal experience. And so let's look back at this verse again. You see the word know in there a couple times to see which know they're using. It's, it's from personal experience. It's from a relationship with God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. When you know, not here, you know him personally from relationship with him. And the one who does not love, it's because they don't have that personal experience relationship with him. And of course, he's truth, isn't he? Okay, doesn't have that personal touch. When you are born again, and it's amazing because... You know, I've been going a couple of weeks and stuff, but I'm preaching on this Sunday morning. Oh, here we go. So it's not by accident. But when you are born again, before you're born again, you, you hear, you understand when people say, well, you, you hear people say, God loves. But when you are born again, that's when you get that revelation. And that's, that's when you experience the love of God deep within your soul. You know it. You do know it. Yeah, you don't need to hear it from somebody. You know it. And, and you're able, and other people. Yeah. When I you're asked able Christ, to give love. Yeah. When I asked Christ into my heart at, I think, age 22, I didn't need the pastor to tell me I was saved, that the Lord had moved in. I didn't need mom and dad to tell me. I knew he was there. I knew. I did too. I bet yeah. others, others, did you know too? Yes. So we see that love, here love is born, now just as Pastor said, of knowing God personally and intimately. Okay, I'm supposed to say something here. Tony highlighted the problem with relying on facts versus truth. We talked about that, the tumor and the headache, to direct our affections and love. So what is the problem with relying on facts versus truth? I, I like what you said, he, we're transformed. And 
and you talked about our heart. The reason is our feelings change. When we come to the Lord, our heart changes, but our feelings change. Feelings can be facts. It's a fact we feel grumpy when our car gets dinged in the parking lot. It's a fact we feel happy when we find $20 in our coat pocket. But facts aren't truth, and our feelings change. Um, Next question. In our culture today, would you say love comes from feelings or from objective truth? We love him, and we spend time with him. We become more like him. But we, we, I agree, and we do use the word love to mean a whole range of emotions. I love those shoes you're wearing. I love that hamburger or that barbecue we ate tonight for supper. We like someone's, we love someone's post they put on social media. We love the sunset. We love a gift. We love a friend, a family member, or we love a spouse. Um, Much of what we say about love is really based on our feelings and not objective truth. What's the song say? Looking for love in all the wrong places. Amen. (laughs) We look for it in all the wrong places. And where's the right place? Right place with Jesus. Okay, what? I thought you'd like that. (laughs) We did. What kind of impact does it have on our ability to love? if our love depends on the right combination of feelings. What does that have on our impact? It's conditional, isn't it? It's conditional. I put up, it, uh, I wrote down it hinders it, but it's conditional. So it, you know, we might love today and not, if you do the right things, I'll love you, you know. Um, what does the love that John described looked at? And George already touched on that some. He gave some verses. But what does it look like if it's based on the truth of God's compassion towards us? We love like the Lord loves, don't, don't we? Um, do we forgive? I'm sorry? It's unconditional. It's unconditional. Do we forgive more quickly? When I, when I remember what he's forgiven me of, it's... I don't, I don't dare hold a grudge or hold something against someone else. It's, I've got to quickly forgive. He's forgiven me of so much. And if I love like he loves, I'm going to forgive. I looked at 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. It does not brag and it's not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. Bears all things. Believes all things. I mean, that's that's what God's done for us. Um, oh, am I not plugged in? <laughs> am I not plugged in? I am not. Yeah, I better get it plugged in here. I thought we were plugged in. We are plugged in. wonder what the... Tr- the other end's not plugged in? <laughs> Please help. Okay. You want to see me cry? See the computer go down. <laughs> I could do it from paper, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't like it as much. I think we're okay. Yes, it's brighter now. Um, 
Okay, next question. Do our feelings change the truth that God has revealed to us? No, no. Our feelings don't change the truth. I knew that, I mean, we all know that, but I wanted a scripture to support that. And here's the one I found. It's in Exodus 14, five. When this was after Moses and the Israelites left Egypt, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people and they said, what is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So their feelings changed, but they're still gone, aren't they? Didn't change a thing. Does John's admonition to love each other in verse five change if we don't feel loving? No. You know, God has given us commands, hasn't he? Is a command meant to be obeyed or disobeyed? Obeyed. If they're meant to obey, then our feelings really aren't a factor, are they? Doesn't matter what we think about it. He's, and, but honestly, he, he tells us things because he loves us and he wants to protect us. He knows what, what our own ways will do to us. Now, um, having said that, well, I don't know if anyone else has found this to be true, but this is what Jim and I have found to be true, that when I do a loving action, the feelings of love follow. I'm, I might not love, I might not have the feeling of love when I, but the Lord asked me to do something, but if I am obedient and I do it, the feelings follow. Anyone else found that to be true? I see some heads nodding. Okay, in verses six to 11, John warns his readers to watch out for deceivers, men and women who advocated against the truth of Jesus's bodily incarnation. But by denying that truth, they try to drive people away from God. Now here's the question. What does this kind of deception look like today? Do we have that kind of deception today? We do. Whatever you feel like doing, it's, yeah, anyways, way. Here were some of the things uh, Dr. Evans had in the leader's guide. Moral relativism, which is what Rodney just said. If it feels good, do it. Has to be okay if it feels good. Denying biblical teaching on progressive ideas. And we looked at that. There was a whole article in Billy Graham's uh, magazine that I shared in one of our sessions reshaping God into who we want. We try to make him look like us instead of us looking like him. And there are others, but those were the three he gave. That's right, that's license, how do you pronounce that? Licensentious or whatever, a license to sin because God's gonna forgive. And, and that's a deception. You know, God says he wants us to look like him, not like the world. Why does having a truth that's independent of our feelings protect us from deceivers? Here's one. The, Proverbs 10, 25 says, the righteous has an everlasting foundation. Okay, and that foundation doesn't move. He who believes in it, that foundation, it's a costly cornerstone for the foundation, won't be disturbed. And then I like this one. Or no longer children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, 
but speaking the truth in love. You know, the word of God is truth. The Bible are his very words and he cannot lie. So that, we can depend on that. We can stand on that. That's our foundation. If we lean into that and rely on that, we're not gonna be tossed to and fro. I have another question. In verse eight, John tells us to keep careful watch over, our, over ourselves. If we fall prey to false teaching that leads away from God, we risk losing the fellowship we've worked to build. What have you implemented in your life to keep watch on what you believe? Stay in the word. Be here on Wednesday night. Be here on Wednesday night. <laughs> yeah. Pardon me? Prayer life. Accountability partner. I've got, I've got several things. Here they are. Here's this, some of the things I put up. First thing is, Proverbs tells us we do need to guard our heart. I mean, this scripture tells us here to uh, watch but Proverbs 4.23 says, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. And we speak out of our heart. You know, things come into our heart through our eye gate, things we see, TV or wherever. It all comes in that way. But we need to guard our heart, what we hear, what we see. And then uh, we learned in 1 John to test the spirits, don't we? If we hear a word or see a word, when I see something on um, about the Lord, I first thing I do is go look at that author. Who is who is who is this person that's written this? Where are they coming from? Do they believe in Jesus? Do they believe He came in in the flesh? If if they don't, I'm really not too much interested in hearing what they have to say, and we shouldn't be, should we? Regular quiet time, Becky mentioned that. Um, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let a request be known, made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, when they train bank tellers to recognize counterfeit bills, they give them lots and lots of real bills to handle. They handle regular good currency over and over again. When, so when, when a counterfeit bill comes, they um, immediately recognize it because it doesn't have the right feel. And I think it's the same way with us. When we spend regular time with the Lord, we recognize a counterfeit spirit. It doesn't feel, or it doesn't, our spirit is agitated. It's not right. We know it's not. It doesn't have the same spirit that we have when we're with the Lord. Here was another one. Agrees with the word. Bruce said that. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 16 talks about the scripture being inspired. I mean, it's God's very words. It's not just something someone wrote about him. The Bible, the Bible, these are his very words to us. 
So it has to agree with his words. He's truth. And I put up another one, submitted to authority. I think this is real important, especially for women. I don't know how pastor feels about this, but Adam in the garden, Adam wasn't deceived. Eve was. Eve was. So when I, I try to stay submitted to the authority over me, I'm, when I was a Christian school principal, I might not always agree with what the board asked me to do, but they were my authority, and I needed to stay under them. That way I'm not deceived. I'm protected by the right chain of command. They're under God. I'm under them. I'm under my husband. And so it's important that I'm submitted. And is the person who's telling me something, are they submitted to the authority over them? Well, you, heard they me, you heard me say Sunday morning in the message about I work for the Lord. I work for the board of this church, even though I'm the founding pastor. It's not my church. And I work for everyone that sits in these seats. And a major problem of today, people don't want authority. People can't handle authority. And if I believe if you're ever going to reach your destiny, you better submit to some authority over you. You have to. And then Mike mentioned accountability. You know, um, we have to be accountable to our pastor and to those over us. Uh, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls. And they, and as those who will give an account, and let them do this with joy. And I have to be accountable to my husband. I'm accountable to you all for this, and I'm accountable to the Lord. But pastor, my accountability to him, I told him when I taught the first lesson, I said, I don't take this lightly, standing in your pulpit. You know, you don't just let anybody stand in your pulpit and teach. You don't. Um, so there's an accountability too. When you, and all of those things, I think, work together to help us guard our hearts. Can anyone think of anything else? How could other people help you in keeping watch? Accountability partners are very, very important. When you have someone who's mature in the Lord, someone you can... You know, I think the Lord's saying this to me. Will you pray about that with me? Make sure I'm not hearing wrong. So let's look at some um, scriptures on how we can encourage one another to live well. Here's Galatians 6.1. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Here's in Hebrews 3, 13 to 15. But encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said... Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. That's in capitalization because that is, Hebrews is quoting Psalms 95 there. Hebrews 11.39 in uh, 
chapter 12, verse 4, and all these things, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. In these passages, what's the goal of keeping watch over ourselves and each other? We won't slip up. Um, those passages I just read, the goal of keeping watch over ourselves and you watching over me and me watching over you, it's so we won't slip up. Now, more than just making sure we don't slip up, what else does having others watch over us accomplish? Particularly in Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, and I'll put it back up, I think. There it is. What else? does having others watch us accomplish? It's an example, it certainly is. Accountability, perseverance. We get, get discouraged. <laughs> we get dis Today's world's enough to make you discouraged if you look at it very long. You gotta keep your eyes on Jesus. But So we'll run this race clear to the end, all of us. All of us will run it with perseverance and we'll all make it. Okay, how might it affect your ability to persevere in following Jesus if you know that others are cheering for you? It is encouraging, isn't it? Iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. We help each other, don't we, in this thing called life, living for Jesus. And, and I, you know, I have little... Do any of you have children or grandchildren or neighbors watching you? Yeah, grandchildren. I don't want them seeing me do something that's going to lead them astray. It fulfills the law of love. It does. You know, the blessing of the church is the people. That's what Tony said. But I wrote, more than that... The church is the people. <laughs> you know, it's not, the church just isn't, the blessing isn't just the people, the church is the people. And so when we're looking out for each other and each other's interest, we're praying for each other and we have fellowship with one another, um, we help keep watch over each other. We do, and we can stand against deception. Um, and, and we'll maintain a strong grip on the truth. 
That's true, and our pastor had a book that he uh, gave out to everybody here in the church, and it talked about the wilderness experience, that there are things the Lord accomplishes in that that he can accomplish no other way. Um, so the question is, how could you encourage or challenge a fellow believer today to run a good race? And I think we've talked about that, praying for each other and so forth. So here, let's look at um, verses 10 and 11. And if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. And of course, the, the church was meeting in um, houses then. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. How does John expect a church to respond to false teachers? Do not respond. Do not receive them. That's right. Um, he said, refuse to admit them to the church, not entertaining them. Okay. One of the fundamental parts of being a Christian is loving our fellow believers. And um, he's told us to pray for the removal of sin in their lives, pray that um, you can pray for the removal. If I see... My husband's sinning. <laughs> of course, I can speak to him, but I should be praying about that if I think that's an area that that uh, that the Lord that he that he's getting drifting away from the Lord. I should be praying about it. Pray that they'll experience life from God, and pray that they'll be equipped to overcome the world and Satan. And so, um, we don't want a teacher coming in and teaching something different than that, right? So John's words there can feel harsh, aren't because we are supposed to love all people, aren't we? And we're supposed to share Christ with all people. Let me say something real quick. Yes. We're supposed to love all people, but just because we love them does not mean we don't hold them accountable. That's right. Okay. I'm tired of hearing that junk where, you know, well, you don't judge me or you got to... You know, well, you can judge by the fruit and you can still love the individual, but that doesn't mean they always get a free pass. You love the, Does that make sense? You love the sinner, but not the sin. Exactly, yeah. So allowing a deceiver into our churches is really not loving at all. He's talking about someone teach you. Give him, put a deceiver in where I'm standing could play havoc and lead a whole congregation away from the Lord. So that's not loving at all. That's welcoming lies and denying God. So you love the sinner, not the sin, and you don't give them a voice to teach in the church. Okay, I think, oh, we're doing better on time, I think. Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> Okay, Tony concluded this session by pointing out that all the truth we need is contained in God's Word. Everything we need to understand reality, to figure out the why and the so what of life, is in the Bible. So here's the question we each are supposed to ask ourselves. How's your Bible reading going? That's where the truth is today, isn't it? And there's a whole lot of untruth in our world. How do you regularly engage in the Word of God personally, 
And how about publicly? You're here, so you're, you're here learning. We're all here learning together, so that's important. Here's some ideas about something you could do this week, and it's on your paper. It's going, um, you'll see how you can go deeper. Here's the last word, truth matters. There is objective, unchanging truth out there, and it's God's truth and his alone. It doesn't matter how we feel about it or whether or not life's working out for us. God's truth tells what reality is and how we can live in light of it. So as we go through our week, remember, God has not left us on our own. Who has he given us? The Holy Spirit. So we don't have to wander through life trying to make heads or tails of what's going on there. His spirit, his word, and each other. So let's join together, love one another, and cling to the truth. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. 